we confuse movement with motion. We confuse movement with um, getting from a place A to a place B. We confuse movement as something that must be experienced by the bystanders of our living, of our life. And that's where we get confused. And that's where we may lose that sense of presence that movement really provides. What I like to think of movement as is a dynamic presence. It is a dynamism that is so beautifully, intricately, and intuitively weaved into our present experience. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring our relationship to movement and how it impacts every other aspect of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek, movement guide and co-founder of Evolna, an intuitive movement lifestyle company, helping people create a more fulfilling relationship to their body and self. Through my work in the fields of dance and fitness, I've always been deeply connected to movement and fascinated by how it shapes us. Join me as I dive into conversations with esteemed professionals from a variety of fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their personal movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope this podcast inspires and empowers you to create a more authentic relationship with your body as you experience the tremendous ripple effect movement can have on all other facets of your life. New episodes will be released on Friday mornings every other week. In the meantime, enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to welcome you to today's guest, Shweta Bhatt, a personal transitions coach. After six years of working in finance with Fortune 100 executives and billion-dollar budgets, Shweta realized her true calling was in helping people find more compassion, connection, and resilience within themselves as they navigate significant life changes. She's a magical storyteller, and I'm so excited she came on with us today. We discussed her pillars of compassion, resilience, and connection, how she discovered them, and how she utilizes them in her day-to-day life. We dove deeper into the topic of discomfort, unpacking how it functions as internal alchemy to help forge our inner power. And finally, we clarified the phrase, I'm here. Discovering how this subtle reminder can quickly help us connect to ourselves, our bodies, and the present moment as is. And without further ado, let's tune in. Welcome, Shweta. We're so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you, Marie. I'm so excited to be here. So one of the ways we connected so deeply was your connection to storytelling. And every time you and I have had a conversation, you have such a beautiful way of being able to articulate and also color these experiences we all go through and be able to fashion them in such a way that they have even deeper resonance for people. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, storytelling is, it's the greatest practice of presence. It's really our invitation and a courageous one at that 
to be in the moment and make of it a mythical experience. Through storytelling, it's it's a lot like journaling, where when you're listening to a story, the pieces that resonate to you are the pieces that relate that are relevant in your life in that moment. And when you hear the same story in different phases of your life or in different moments, different pieces will jump out at you depending on what part of that story you're needing the guidance from. And that's something I've always seen in your work and in the pieces of storytelling you bring in both in your day-to-day interactions with friends and even the pieces of that skill set you bring into your work. Yeah, um, thank you. I think the compassion really in storytelling is to realize that the cyclicalness of it, the same story that you may be saying over and over or the same situations that you might be finding yourself in over and over are invitations. They're invitations to take from it. Their stories are so abundant that when we start to see the cyclicalness of them, the cycles that we live in our life and stop shaming ourselves from being in them, but really, really open ourselves up to the abundance of just seeping it all in, taking in what you need to in that exact moment. You know, I always say that the most important affirmation that you can give yourself before you start anything is, I am here. Here. Not I am going there. Not I want to go there. Not I am this or I am becoming this. It is, I am here. And play in that playground. Find what you can in the here. Because that's what's so beautiful is that your here right now doesn't have to be the same as your here five minutes from now. And it sure as heck doesn't have to be the same as your here from five years ago. Here is such a compassionate, a resilient, a resourceful, a connected place to start telling your story. And I think it's in the here that that whole concept of story is really built because then your eyes open to where you are, what you're feeling, kind of what's coming in, what's coming out, what words feel good, what sounds and smells, and it just animates everything. And I wholeheartedly believe that we are all storytellers. We all have stories. And it's just about learning how to tell your story to yourself in the moment that you are sitting in that really, really flexes and tones a muscle to your own experience of how you take life in. Oh my gosh. I'm like, so excited listening to this. I already have five different like points I want to jump in. (laughs) But, But that moment you're talking about, about I am here. This is something I actually play with a lot where whatever is going on in my life, whether I am stressed or whether I am feeling a little bit more relaxed and settled, I like to do these check ins with myself, especially when I'm stressed, especially when I'm sort of in a moment of tension. And 
to like step back from that tension for a moment and stop and think about, I am here. These are all the pieces of my life that are in play right now. And I can clearly remember moments before where I was wanting this story that I'm living in this moment to be a reality. And how easy it is, like with the continued, you know, stress of contrast to get lost in the sort of vortex of that stress cycle rather than being in the appreciation of, oh, the thing I wanted at one point is being realized. And of course, there's complexities with actually experiencing it. But isn't it amazing that it is here? And at one point, I so wanted this. And this moment I'm in right now will never, ever exist again in the same context. Like, so how can I sink into that? And to me, like what you're also talking about, everybody being a storyteller, I also feel so deeply that that is actually how movement unfolds, you know, especially the kind of movement that I'm such a uh, a preacher and like an advocate for, like this, this more creative space of moving, this intuitive movement. To me, the way it draws out of us, the way we can actually create an authentic practice around it is to allow it to sort of unfold like a story. And so whenever I step into my movement practice, it is like in that same story arc where you start and you set the scene. So you settle into your body, you check in with where you are, you feel out the space, and then you slowly start sort of diving into those little nuances of feeling that are present there, just like the initial storyline. Then it starts to build. Then you feel all like the contrast and all the different pieces. You get some crescendos, some highs, some lows. It gets really explosive. And then at a certain point, like there's a resolution. The story wraps up. And then, you know, like that's the end. And And I think movement's very similar in that way. And what you said about it, storytelling being inherently in the here moment, this is such an important component of movement as well. And it's a component that most of us are missing because when we're moving, we're actually usually either in the past, like beating ourselves up about what's wrong with our bodies or what's not working, what's not good, or we're thinking about the future or we're thinking about other things going on in our life and not actually in this moment with our bodies in motion here and now. Of course. Yeah. No, I think you put that so beautifully. And and I do think especially um, being a person who has experienced how you see movement and how you express movement is we confuse movement with motion. We confuse movement with um, getting from a place A to a place B. We confuse movement as something that must be experienced by the bystanders of our living, of our life. And that's where we get confused. And that's where we may lose that sense of presence that movement really provides. What I like to think of movement as is a dynamic presence. It is a dynamism that is so beautifully, intricately, and intuitively weaved into our present experience. Now, movement can be inward. Movement can be outward. Movement can be lateral or dorsal or you know, peripheral. Movement can be all of these things. 
And I always say, when you're in, in any moment, when you are there, the questions to ask yourselves are not ones like, why can't I be here? Why am I in my head? What am I going to do? Where, like, how far do I need to go? When am I going to get there? Not those questions, but the true, most, most fruitful, most compassionate and safe question is, where am I? And how can I get here? What is here? And where do I have to come from to get here? And I think that is what movement really, really positions itself as, what it really asks us for. You know, that is the prompt that movement provides, is what are the dynamics of getting here for me? What do I have to do? And that doesn't have to be something that is so outwardly extravagant and experienced by another person. The experience is ours. And to always, once again, start with, I am here and I'm going toward. I am here and I want to feel. I am here and I am opening. I am here and I am letting go. So it is to set your stage, your I am here, and then the crescendos and the twirls and the twists and the levels will all come after that. But it is this this blank slate that is so brimming. It's it's so funny because it is such a contradiction. It is it is a endless, endless, frustrating, creative, agitating, you know, beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. I actually would love to know um, an example of like where you actually negotiated this very process within yourself in any in any facet of your life. How did you apply this understanding of movement and how it is like a guidance system and and kind of a positioning system? And can you illustrate that experience for us? Yeah. So, you know, I moved back home to my childhood home about six months ago from living in New York for six years. And you mentioned in the intro, I lived in finance. And so that colored the past six years of my life. And yes, there were so many things in it that during my time in work, little spurts of inspiration, little bits of creativity that I was really leaning into and more so toward the end than at the beginning. But I remember coming home and I remember in the car ride home when my parents came and picked me up, I remember just thinking, what am I? What am I if I'm not in New York and I can't go to the places I'm going to and I can't go to the Pilates studio that I really like or go to the restaurant I really like or walk around the park and then this and what am I going to be? Like, what am I going to be when I go home? And 
I remember sitting there and being like, gosh, thinking in the what's is super exhausting. <laughs> like, what in the... And I remember just being like, all right, who am I going to be right now? I am here. I am sitting in this car. I am on my way home to my childhood home where I lived for 18 years before I embarked on a journey that doesn't even remember that 18-year-old, doesn't feel natural to have that 18-year-old in my body. And I remember being that 18-year-old and thinking, wishing all of these things about my life. And that's when, you know, excuse my language, but I was like, fuck time travel. Fuck being in the past and remembering what it was like to be in Burlington at 18. And fuck thinking about five years in the future or even a couple months in the future and wondering where am I going to be? What am I going to do? What, you know, what's, and that's where the true invitation really began is, okay, you're here. Where do I need to come from to just be here? Where do I need to come from? How do I get here? And how do I build the courage to stay here? And I think that is something that we don't give enough credit to ourselves for, is how courageous being here is. It, it may not be easy to plan into the future, It may not be easy to play in the stories of your past and the experiences of your past, but it's easy because you have a benchmark. You have other people that you can compare yourself uh, to, or you have certain feelings that you can compare yourself to. But the courage that in the amount of connection that is asked of you to be here and to really find within it the pearls that it gives you, that is what I've been learning for these past six months. That is the experience that I've had that, you know, for me, sometimes it's putting on a song and just dancing to that song. Sometimes it's, you know, cutting up vegetables. Sometimes it's sitting downstairs in my dad's abandoned office and just breathing and exhaling really loudly and and learning how to inhale more deeply because that's one thing I've learned is it's so easy for me to exhale but not so easy for me to inhale and and I think that's what it is is as I'm doing that 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 muscle, that art, and that blessing that we all have within us of storytelling has just become stronger. And because I have provided the compassion of presence to it. Well, you know, like everything you're talking about here, this concept of how much courage it takes to actually be here in the now and like fuck time travel. I I remember getting deeply enmeshed into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work starting like 
four years ago. And this is before he was a big deal. Now he's a big deal, which I'm so glad because he deserves it. And he's brilliant. And when I started getting into his work, the like the mind blowing experience was in he was outlining this little diagram of like a timeline. And the center is the present moment, everything to the left is the past, everything to the right is the future. And he said, most of the time we are fixated on what we remember from the past and then using our memory of the past to deduce and plan for our future. So not only are we like kind of like enmeshed in this time travel all the time and never really here, but we're actually not even using our ability to time travel correctly because when we are using it, we're constantly re informing our future based off of our past, what we remember and our history. And the more we've done something, the stronger our pull is to that memory and the prevalence of that repetition to pull it forward in our future again. And this happens so automatically that most of the time you're not even realizing it. Like you get up and the first thing you think about is your meetings. And if those meetings are meetings you've had with the same people for years, you're already assuming what the feeling is going to be like in those meetings, what the experience is. So you're internally prepping yourself to deal with the stress, to deal with the, you know, like the annoyance, whatever it might be. And you don't even realize that not only are you pulling yourself out of the present moment, but you're pulling yourself out of your inherent creative ability to create your future and change your life. And so this is why the present moment is important. And it's also the place where people are the least comfortable because it means having to sit with where you are and feel what you feel. And that that initial like moment of feeling what you feel and maybe having that recognition that what you feel isn't what you want to feel or that some of the circumstances in your life are not what you wanted. People are so afraid of feeling that for even a moment. But the truth is you feel it for a moment and it really just takes a few seconds of feeling that for it to already begin to shift. It's so quick. It's so temporary. That that discomfort is really actually fleeting. And it's the second you're allowing yourself to receive that discomfort, that's the moment it already begins to shift. And the better you can get at that, the better you will be positioned to actually unwind yourself out of this program of recreating your past in your present and future over and over and actually be able to bring new things into your life. And I think this is why people shy away from being the storytellers that they are, from sharing their truth, from from feeling like their story is worthwhile, because every story is worthwhile. We're all here shaping our own unique stories because it's meant to bring a breath of diversity and expansion and evolution and creative, vibrant growth to this planet and to each of us. And through hearing our stories, this is the most scintillating part of life. And and the same goes for being able to express that, whether it's verbally through your body in movement, like all these expressive forms that we are actually as humans all cued into, all experts at, all meant to divulge in. These are often the places people are the most fearful of going. Yeah. Just what you said, that discomfort, that discomfort that comes in the present moment that is the moment of greatest alchemy. 
if anybody comes up to me and tells me, well, you know what? I'm not very creative. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a creative. So I don't, that's not my thing. I'm very left brained. I'm like, well, no, you are. Because it's that moment, that moment of discomfort that invites you to tap into every ounce of your creativity. How can I get out of this? And that's where you become super creative. That's where you realize, wow, I have all of these resources within me. It's in that moment of discomfort that you actually realize how powerful you are. And if you are not telling your story to another person, I sure hope that you are writing and telling your story to yourself in that moment. Nobody else needs to hear it. You do. You need to hear that this moment, this moment is transient. This moment isn't permanent. It will fade. Something else is going to come of it. And that That is my agency. That is the tool that I play with. That is the tool that I have to sharpen and hone and and hold within me is that in every moment of discomfort, in every moment of presence, I am the greatest, most creative alchemist that I can be in my own life. And just as you said with Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, why drain yourself of the energy that you need to really, really create in that moment by thinking about moments that you are no longer in and that you will never be in an exact moment like that again? And yes, I think it's beautiful to be able to visualize where you want to go. And that's why I say in your affirmations, of course, include where you want to go in your manifestations, in your visualizations. Please include where you want to go, but start them with the I am here. And that'll invite you to, instead of just thinking, where do I want to go? How do I want to feel? And how can I start that journey now? It's just like what you said. We wake up and we're ready for our meetings. It's like, oh man, I'm going to need that coffee because so-and-so is going to say this and I'm going to have to do this. And whew. But instead, just being like, you know what? I really just want to feel grounded. I want to feel really warm and cozy and yummy right now. I want this moment to be delicious. And if you're able to walk into that meeting, at least setting the precedent for yourself, because that's the only person you can set the precedent for, and you can only set it in the moment that you're in, then that's where that story starts to build. That's where movement is one that will always be fruitful, one that will always be providing, and one that will always be nourishing. A lot of movement in this day and age in social media, a lot of movement is 
coupled with motion, is coupled with progress, is coupled with ambition and flexing and toning and sculpting. And it's funny because the sculpture is already there. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> The, the beauty is learning how to flow within that sculpture. That's what movement is. It's, let, it's being in that dynamic experience of the structure, not trying to change it. For the amount of HGTV that I have watched in the past six months, everybody and their mother wants open sight lines, yet we are not willing to work on the open sight lines in our own body. Our structure learns to, to start building the walls to compartmentalize as we introduce ourselves more and more into this world, as we take in more and more information. And now there is a fashion in our outside world to start to break down the walls. It's now more important to learn how, you know, one room can flow into another room, how compartments can actually, you know, be more opened and still provide the safety. And that's our infrastructure inherently provides us safety. But we have somehow decided that if we compartmentalize and start to close off and contract certain parts of the structure and the sculpture that is so beautifully woven into our experience, then we'll feel more safe, then it will be more safe. And if I am safe, then I can do. Hmm. And, and that's the thing is movement really, really starts to bust down the doors and those walls and working with that HGTV metaphor really, really takes down these load bearers and says, no, you are capable. You are open. You are strong. You are built. So allow the flow. Don't work. Yes. You are ready. You are here. I cannot stress that enough that you are ready for this moment because you would not have been here. You would not be here. You do not have to become to be here. Become means that there is a there. We are not guaranteed a there. So let's be here. Let's be now and let's feel the flow through the sculpture, the structure, the infrastructure that we have nourished and fostered up till this moment. Yeah, that's so true. The feeling part is like the most forgotten. And to me, it's the most important part of a movement practice, which a movement practice is really a life practice because we're always in our body. We're never out of our mind, maybe unless like you're, you know, doing your ayahuasca ceremony and you're floating out. But in other cases, you're always here in your body. So a movement practice and learning how to feel in your body and be in your body is a practice of learning how to be in your life. 
And I know this has been like the biggest challenge building out of Volna and being able to teach the concept of intuitive movement as like the consistent pinpoint that I always circle around is feeling. And a lot of times people come back to me and be like, well, what do you mean feel? I don't know what that means. And to me, that's the big like red flag of our society of how we're always so busy intellectualizing things. Even when we're trying to like be in manifestation process, even when we're trying to dream up where we want to go, we do it from an intellectual standpoint and we don't connect to the feeling. And this is the problem. This is where we've seen so many generations moving towards these standardized models of success, right? These idealized pinnacles of if you have this car, this house, this job, this means you're doing well and you're happy. And so people move to those from an intellectualized standpoint without connecting to the feeling, without taking a moment to assess, well, how do I feel right now with all these things? And what do I want to feel? And when I start dreaming or thinking or entertaining different scenarios, which one feels the best? And because people don't spend that time in that present moment, because they're so busy running away from that initial discomfort of dropping into feeling and maybe realizing you're not okay right now, or you're not satisfied, or things aren't where you want them to be, then they don't actually give themselves the opportunity on the other side when the boat flips. (laughs) And then they can feel into what it is they want. And then from that standpoint, feeling can actually help you make better decisions in your intellectualization process of how to create movement towards where you want to go, how to use that guidance system. And I always say, you know, like our brains and our intellect, they're the vehicle, but the heart and our feeling is the driver. And that vehicle can go places, but it can also run in circles. It can also go a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. And you, in order to get direction, you need to tap into feeling. You know, feeling is not only the driver, but it can also be the fuel that like, well, not the fuel in the sense of like that driver can choose how much to accelerate, right? But if you have a disassociated driver who's not paying attention and just kind of like sitting there behind the wheel doing God knows what, then of course, like things are not going to feel like they're working out because you're not tapping into the inherent essence of this dynamic between thinking and feeling. Our ability to think and intellectualize is an incredible tool. It's very powerful, but it is not the basis from which we should be making our decisions. And this has been like the inherent illusion that we've been brought up to believe in this day and age. Yeah, of course. It's that intellectualizing, that thinking that intercepts our understanding of what discomfort provides. I I speak on my behalf. For a lot of my life, I believed that if I was uncomfortable, if I was, you know, pushing or in a place of discomfort, it was okay. It was only okay to be in that state if I was striving for something that was accepted by society. If I was working hours and hours and hours and not feeling good about myself, not feeling good in my body, unhealthy, it's okay 
because I am working to get promoted or to get a raise or to get a pat on the back by my boss. If I am uncomfortable, but I am doing a bazillion sit-ups and, you know, lifting a lot of weight and sore for days, but still pushing past the soreness, it's okay. Because gosh, everybody's telling me how strong I am, how this I am. It's really easy to to attach to those what's. It's really easy to attach to those ideals that are always presented in such beautiful brochures to you by society. Yet, it didn't feel okay or natural or worth it or allowed for me to sit in the discomfort of the moment. Why? Because I didn't know how I wanted to feel. I didn't know what success looked like for me because I was so used to playing by somebody else's definition of success. And even now, I've started to really step away from the word success in general because I just don't even know, like, what is success for me? How do I want to feel? I want to feel confident in every moment. And how do I feel confident? Well, I've realized that there are three facets for me. There's self-compassion, there's self-connection, and there's resilience. How can I cultivate these three things? What can I tap into in the present moment that helps me illuminate these three things within me? In my discomfort, where is my resilience? In my discomfort, oh beloved, I love you so much. Where is my compassion? In my discomfort, where am I? I am here. Where is my connection? And and I think when we start to detach ourselves and stop identifying with making discomfort feel okay because I can explain it and people will understand and accept me for it to where can I support myself and how can I just serve as the vessel of the feelings that catalyze how I will move forward, that will spark the dynamism that I am truly looking for, that I'm truly trying to feel and truly trying to build experience from. So I have a question. What practices have you been feeding into that allow you to tap into these three pillars for yourself? Self-compassion has always been something that I've had an interesting relationship with. It's it's always I always say, you know, I'm I'm my biggest and greatest critic. I am the 
I hold very high expectations of myself, even in the way that I feel when I'm in certain moments. So I started this thing a couple months ago and it made me laugh the first couple times I did it. I was like, wow, I am a little weird. This is weird. This is ridiculous. But now I'm excited. I'm excited to do it every night before I get to sleep. You know, I change into my PJs, I brush my teeth, and I lay in my bed and I hold myself. And I hold myself and I start this conversation with myself. And some days it's longer and some days it's shorter. But I say, oh, beloved. Oh, beloved, today you felt scared. Today you felt heavy. Today you felt light. Today you felt any of these things. And I acknowledge the feeling that I felt, the one that may have felt the most shameful or the one that may have felt the most nourishing. And I speak to it and I have a little conversation. And I talk to this beloved, this beloved that I really want to feel safe within me and tell them, you're whole, you are felt, you are loved, you are held. I am here. And, you know, some days it's a little bit more comical and some days it could be more profound, but it's these oh beloved conversations that have really helped me understand my compassion for myself and really really shown me how important having that practice translates into how compassionate how open and safe of a container i can be for others in my life I am briefly interrupting this interview to announce that we are thrilled to have launched Evolna's new on-demand app, where you have unlimited access to all of our intuitive movement exercises, workouts, and meditations designed to help you become the expert of your body while creating a more fulfilling relationship with yourself. We're offering a special discount. The first month trial is only $1. Sign up through our link in the show notes and include checkout code EVOLNA1 to redeem the offer. Now, back to the interview. When it comes to resilience, I've got to say that ever since I was little, I was blessed with a pretty good idea of my resilience muscle. I I knew that like, you know what, if I fall down, I will get the heck back up. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I always had this inherent quiet confidence. So even in my moments of least confidence, even in my moments where I felt the worst about my ability, there's been this quiet, this quiet voice of resilience that says, "Mm -mm, you'll figure it out. You're here. You don't have to be the best writer, but you sure as heck are going to keep writing. You may burn every baked good you make, but go and bake again. You may fall off the bike, but one day you're going to get back up and you're going to do it again. And for me, it is a practice in my movement as well. 
I might not look like the most graceful dancer. I may not be the most athletic athlete, but that does not mean that I'm going to stop dancing. Oh, heck no. That does not mean that I'm not going to stop doing sit-ups every now and then. It means that I'm confident in my ability to keep going even though I know I am not the best and I will never be the best. Why? Because I am my best. When it comes to self-connection, that's where practice, my practice of meditation really comes in. And my practice of meditation is one of stillness, is one of inner dynamism. It is one where every moment when I feel stuck, I remind myself there is no such thing. You can't be stuck because you are constantly moving, because you are a dynamic being. Do not worry about complacency or staticness. Do not worry about being greater than the ordinary man or woman. Why? Because the ordinary woman is already great. She is already extraordinary. So really connect in to that stillness. Really connect inward and see where the flow can be opened, where those compartments can be softened, and where you can really, really use your ability to be here, to come back, to enter, and to experience. This, when I am in a moment where my confidence is being asked of me, and sure, it might not be so profound in the moment. Sometimes it can literally be for me, I, I have songs. I have songs that I start singing in my head that relate me back to these three facets. And, and sometimes I'm in a moment and I'm feeling a certain way and I, I'll do like little body rolls in, inward, underneath my clothes. Like nobody can see me do it. Exactly. Just like hanging out. But this is, it, it's, invigorating and illuminating and relighting these this little trifecta in my body and so we deserve confidence we deserve confidence in every moment of our lives so we think we deserve a lot of things but that first thing is the confidence to be here courage to be here. And so I think it, yeah, for me, it's been very important and very nourishing to, to work on those and to really spend my energy there. Because I know that in any situation in my life, sure, maybe I can't write on my resume, really good at resilience and oh, self-connection. Um, really good at the suite of self-compassion and has data entry skills when it comes to connectedness. No, maybe I can't. Maybe it's not something that is so easily experienced by another, but 
everyone's experience of me is going to be colored of my experience of myself first. 100%. Something that I'm really interested in exploring is a little bit more about your personal journey with movement, exercise, and movement-based practices. Because, you know, for me, these are such an interesting reflection on like how somebody's brain has been shaped over time and like their relationship with themselves has also been shifting as a result of that. So if you could take us through your journey with movement, uh, what started it all off for you? How did you first experience really being in your body and how has that changed and transpired up until now? So I grew up um, playing pretty much every sport in the book. And along with that, I grew up with the dream of my mother to become a dancer, to go into dance. So I trained in something called Bharatanatyam, which is an Indian classical dance for 17 years of my life. And sure, sports aside, this dance form is one of a lot of discipline, is one of a lot of form and structure. And it's really beautiful because in that form and in that structure is where storytelling comes in, is, um, you know, how your body is emoting. Um, And so that is where I really learned emotion. That's where I really learned expression. The, The funny thing about it was I wasn't actually expressing how I was feeling inside. I was expressing how the dance was supposed the to be. The storyline so, that you're The storyline, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so it almost became my little cheat to express emotions because why did I need to allow the feelings that I was having come out? It was much easier for me to depict the emotions that I was supposed to feel in the storyline that I was dancing toward. So that, that was you know, the first 17 years of my life where I um, was always lauded in how level-headed and calm and stoic almost I could be in most arenas of my life and how emotive and expressive I was on stage. And and once I came, I, I... went to college and I didn't really have as much of a practice when it came to dance. I was on a competitive dance team, but that was more, you know, it was a social thing. I was moving all that. I realized, okay, well, I don't have, I don't have that liberty of using dance as how I'm going to express myself anymore. But I'm feeling these things because I'm in this place that doesn't feel normal. My identity doesn't feel the same. I don't feel the same. I don't understand where I am. I don't know how I can be in this body and enjoy it right now because this is just new and I don't like it. And that's where exercise started to come in. That's where repetitive motion, that's where going to the gym, finding classes, you know, working out really started to open, you know, my abs feel sore. Oh, that must be a good thing. My legs feel sore. Oh, that must be a good thing. Oh, I'm seeing more definition in my body. Oh, I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing something. This discomfort is getting me somewhere. And, and I mean, why deal with the actual emotional discomfort that I'm having and really lean into this physical discomfort because people are telling me I look good. I feel like I'm, I'm looking better than, am I feeling better? I don't know, but I'm looking better. Well, there's almost like also this little bit of that alchemy that we were talking about earlier. Yes. We have both with your dance experience, like, yes, maybe like you're transplanting emotions, like you're, you're not feeling those emotions now, but you are at least getting access to expressing emotions at some time. They not, may not be right in chronological un- alignment for you, but that ability to learn how to emote along that yes. scale gave you an opportunity to release that. And then when that started to not be settling in with what you wanted anymore. When you had that recognition, you shifted. Then there's also an alchemy in in channeling emotion into physical discomfort, like into feeling the burn, into feeling the endurance, into feeling the heat and the stress and the strain. There is something really cathartic about that. And I can relate a lot to that through my experience as a dancer then transitioning into fitness. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's what it was, is there is a level of catharsis. There is a level of alchemy as well. I, I don't want to use the word, you know, escapism, mm-hmm. because I don't think I was escaping. I was just redirecting. Mm-hmm. I was redirecting. And exactly, it reminded me of my agency to alchemize. It reminded me that, oh, wow, I have this power in me to do these things. I want this thing and I can do it and I I can kind of work around um some other things and still have it work. And you know that translated into once I graduated and I moved to New York was New York it is a city of motion. It, it is it is a city of dynamism. It is a city of walking as fast as you can and being annoyed if somebody in front of you is not walking as fast as you want them to. <laughs> you know, I my office was in Times Square and I remember like I would always walk from Times Square to Union Square to catch my train. And I remember just like trying to gun it down there and being viscerally upset if somebody in front of me was walking slow, if I missed a um, a green light or a red light. I was just like, no, I need to make it down. You know, 28 traffic lights, I need to get down there as fast as I can. And that was, it wasn't until my body really started to tell me, I cannot keep up with this mind. I cannot keep up with where you want to be. I cannot keep up with the becoming. I really, really just need to be. And and I had a, a very real experience with my health. I had a very real experience where my body just let go in this way that I was afraid that I I may have created something that I couldn't, that was to my detriment and not to my, you know, my benefit, not to my wholeness. I realized that all of this movement had caused me to contract 
so much so that my body did not feel safe opening at all. And that was realizing itself in my relationships. That was realizing itself in my work and my self-concept. And, you know, so much of how I was experiencing life on the daily. And I was blessed to have this moment, this spark that said, this is not how life is. This is not okay. And, and that's where the processing became began. That's where I started to really lean into the discomfort and and see the genius in the agitation of it all. And, and that's when I started to really, really ask myself, what am I feeling? What is this feeling? And I remember, I really remember my first Evolna class. And you know, I texted you beforehand and I go, hey, look, lady. <laughs> you didn't want to come. I kind of pushed you. <laughs> I go, look, lady, I'm coming. But I might be that person just like in a corner, like in fetal position on the ground. And you go, look, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> that is what you want to do. That is perfect. And I remember thinking about it. And being like, all right, I am, uh, that's the corner. That's my corner. I'm going to just sit here, plop down. I'm ready to go. And I remember at the end of the Evolna class, I was on the ground and bawling. I was bawling because I admitted to my body. That's where the whole old beloved started. I admitted to my body, you let yourself be here. You did this. You experienced this. You are so whole and you didn't need anything. And that is really where that embodiment started. That's where I started to really understand how to embody the story, how to make magical the story, how to feel that magic of the present moment within my body, and how to really lean into, feel into, and open into that experience. And from there, that's where movement really started to change for me. You know, one of my favorite analogies to talk about movement is from a book. It's called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. It's actually a book about male like male masculinity and those archetypes and what mature male masculinity looks like. And a previous guest on the podcast actually highlighted how this works in a movement continuum, which I think is so honest and real. We have we have the king and the warrior. So like the king is the sovereign. It's the observer of all that is, right? Sort of regulates and registers what's happening and um, embraces all of it. The warrior is the action. It's the doer. And this is, I think, the part of us that we're so used to 
being in. We're so used to being in the continuum of the king and the warrior, watching everything and then going and doing, doing, doing. But then there's also the magician and the lover, right? And the magician is a space of like sacredness. It is the space of the ephemeral, the intangible. It's really the space of chaos, of not being structured, right? Warrior and king are more structural alignment and the magician and the lover are not. They're, they're all about sort of the void, the emptiness, the play, the experimenting, right? The alchemy. And the lover is all about feeling and it's all about welcoming feeling and chasing the good feeling. And I think it's interesting because like dance, for instance, is on that line of the lover and the magician. It is about alchemy and feeling, but it also is a little bit closed off in its breath. And so through your dance experience, you had contact with that line and then you shifted and you got to experience like a really clear, defined contact with that king and that warrior energy, that focus, that determined, the watching, the ah, like the doing. And then the experience you had in the Avolna intuitive movement class is the, the breaking free of needing to be on any continuum and allowing yourself that ability to reign across all of it. The ability to allow yourself to combine all the resources you have at play, including the resource of stillness and being in the corner in fetal position, because that's what you need, because that is also an aspect of that. And once you allow yourself the permission one time to really go there, no holds barred, it changes everything. And I've seen so clearly, even how you're describing your personal movement practice, your little like body rolls that you do inside of your shirt, you know, this is, these are the things that we're so easily dissuaded from doing. And these are the things that are the most powerful for connecting, for developing our resiliency, and also for emboldening our self-compassion, those three pillars you, you've been really expanding upon for yourself. How amazing, how mystical, how colorful would it be if we were just fools to our presence? You know, just taking it all in. There is a lot of, you know, work right now or buzzwords around inner child work you know, doing a lot of inner child work. And that's the thing is let's really lean in to the vulnerability of of right now. Let's really lean into that, but to do it with a sense of fantasy, with a sense of creativity with a sense of excitement and enjoyment and love and from there see what comes of it because right now there is so much going on in our world there is so much going on in a way that we may feel helpless upset, angry, insulted, um, shameful, all, all of these things. 
and offended, the only person that we can start our alchemy from, the only person that we can have unconditional compassion for is ourselves. So to make this moment for ourselves one of mythic proportions, and then from there to be the warrior, to be the king, to be the magician, to be the lover for all of the causes, for all of the humanity that you want to reach out to, to lend a hand, to lift up, to change. Well, your tool, your resource is yourself. 100%. I mean, this is like how I close out every class is it's, it's all about diving into an hour of unrestricted feeling and letting everything that comes up be acknowledged, even if it is discomfort, even if it is fear, like the moments when you're like, I'm supposed to move how I want. And what the fuck does that mean? You know, that's a, that's a terrifying place for people. And I acknowledge that, but you know, like to even notice that you have that fear, like we all are chasing freedom. It's why we chase money. It's why we chase success, <laughs> you know, the traditional forms of success is because we want freedom. But freedom is actually found in confidence. And this is the piece that people don't cultivate, again, because their fear of going into discomfort, their fear of leaning into the feelings. And what you said just now about really your only job, the only thing you ever have to do is to like, bring your focus into yourself, feed yourself, nourish yourself, love yourself. The more you do that, and and you know this about me, like this is what I 100% position all my attention and energy into is like, how can I be more deliberate about serving myself, not just in scattered moments when I finally get the time, but how can I do it every single moment, be paying attention to those emotions and be listening and responding and acting on behalf of them and not holding myself apart from those signals, from that guidance system that movement is, you know, the movement of energy, the movement of feeling, the movement of my body, even these are all guidance mechanisms that are not just signaling me in terms of my health, but they're also signaling me in terms of my desire. They're signaling me in terms of desires that have been awakened and desires that still remain unearthed. And so every time I lean into that process and every time I am able to shed away this illusion of should and supposed to and follow that feeling, I always am delighted and surprised and I experience that ethereal magic it's literally like Harry Potter, where things show up in surprising and beautiful ways, better than I even was able to think about, and with other components that are far more exciting that I didn't even know I wanted beforehand. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's truly that's truly an evolutionary path, Marie. That's one that not many take, but I hope more do. A lot of what I seek to do is to 
is to inspire people into that, to awaken that realization within them. And it gives me so much pleasure hearing how even one experience (laughs) with movement can catalyze that for people. You know, I'm so honored that you were there and that you came and that you showed up. And I was so just humbled to witness what happened to you in that room and to watch you be able to pull it out in all these areas of your life and even see you blossoming in all these ways, which, you know, when we first met, weren't even awakened for you. And, and I hope the listeners can hear it because I certainly hear it and feel it every time we speak the power of what you have to share, the depth of your wisdom, the beauty of your truth. It's just so awe-inspiring. And, you know, I, I really have to hold my hat off to you and your ability to lean into discomfort to feed those feelings and to sit with yourself. And everything you've talked about here today demonstrates that. And I think you've provided us with a really excellent conceptualization for us to begin to rework our understanding of the different possibilities and the different ways we can cultivate those practices of connecting, of compassion, and of developing that resilience. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me. Um, thank you for this this opportunity and this platform because if there's one thing I want everyone to know, one one thing is that you are not stuck. You can never be stuck. You will never be stuck. You are here. You are capable. And you are the writer of your experience. You are the creator of your experience and you are the sole jewel of your experience. That was a perfect words of wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) All the questions I had, I didn't even have to ask because they came up naturally in our conversation, but all of the details for getting in touch with you will be included in the show notes for anybody who wants to reach out to Shweta to talk to her to learn more about what she's been developing. In fact, if you want to share a little bit of like some of the directions your life is taking in this transition, I'd love to hear more about that. Sure. So right now I am really building my service, which is around confidence. It is around cultivating these three facets of resilience, self-connection, and self-compassion, and being able to use those to tell your own story. And I am really focusing on high schoolers to, to help them understand that you know, their identities are going to change over and over and over again. And that's perfectly okay. But to be able to step into the now with confidence is something that no college is going to teach them. And then also continuing that for, for people our age and much older as well. Anyone in transition, really. Exactly. Anyone. Multiple times. (laughs) Exactly. Anyone in transition. So, yes, um, I am building out 
a coaching service around that, which is really about providing a container of safety for people to start to cultivate their relationship with their confidence and see how strong and sharp of a tool that will be in any arena of their life. Of course, listeners, if you're drawn to Shweta, please, 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 please check her out. Because as you can see, she definitely holds a space of safety and nourishment like no other. But we'll definitely have to bring you back on in a little while and see how things are developing for you. And of course, expand our conversation because we could have easily talked for hours here. But thank you so, so much for coming. It's been such a pleasure. And I'm so grateful for your time here today. Thank you. I'm eternally grateful as well. Big love. Big love. Thank you for tuning in with us today. You can find contact information and all references made during the show in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and spread the love by sharing with family and friends. If you want to learn more or would like additional support in your movement relationship, head to our website at evolna.com. Be gentle, be generous, and be good to yourself. And have a beautiful day.